Welcome to the CDC Podcast, Minisode 14. I'm your host, Eric Swain, and joining me in our first time back for the Minisodes is Critical Distances Editor-in-Chief Zoya Street. Hey there. The Minisodes are back and revamped, and in case you missed them the first time around, the idea behind them is for myself and a co-host each month to highlight some games that haven't gotten a lot of criticism or much attention at all. The hope is that one of you intrepid listeners will try them out and possibly write about them. The games on the docket range from itch.io art games to prestige-level indie games, right on up to AAA games that have slipped through the cracks. Unlike prior minisodes where we did three apiece, we're going to try and keep these episodes much shorter, so instead, we're just highlighting a single game apiece. Zoya, you're up. Cool. Um, so, I want to talk about two dots, which is a casual game that's really closely linked in with Facebook. I don't know if it's actually by Facebook, I don't think it is, but it's... A fairly typical casual game, it's a Candy Crush-like sort of thing, but with a more minimalist look to it, and some really beautiful sound design, and quite good visual storytelling. But I want to talk about it because I only recently discovered it, and that means I'm very, very late to the party, because as it tells me over and over again in lots of different ways, almost all of my Facebook friends have been playing it, including a lot of like games industry people, and games critics, and what have you. And it just, it just kind of amazed me that, like, this has been going on for a while and no one has been talking about it. No one's been writing about it. No one seems to, like, mention this thing that's happening to them anywhere. And it's kind of spooky. It's kind of spooky to think that people are giving, you know, some, maybe a lot of their time to this activity. That's It's a game. It's game-related. And yet, even in games-focused circles, we don't... It's like it's a secret, and there there is kind of, you know, it, it's interesting to me. I think I can imagine a lot of reasons why you wouldn't talk about it because it is just a casual game. I mean, I find myself playing it a lot mainly because they're just having a lot of really effective addiction mechanics built into it. It's just very absorbing and makes you feel like everything is okay for a little while, and applies just enough friction that you're always like coming up against some challenge that you don't want to be defeated by and that makes you keep going back and maybe spend money on being able to play for longer and that kind of thing so it's it's dirty in terms of design like it sort of it it lacks it lacks an aesthetic or a like moral high ground of any sort really except that like visually and in terms of sound it's nicer than candy crush but, yeah, I, I wanted to bring that up because I'd like to read writing about it where people from – there's a few different perspectives that I think people could take on this. Like, there's a few people who do psychology and games criticism, and it would be great to hear that kind of perspective on this because of how it really messes with your mind. I'd really like to hear people who understand sound design a bit better kind of talk about why this is particularly compelling in that respect because all I know is that I'm enjoying the noises that it makes. And, yeah, there's also a kind of – there's a – Quite simple, elegant, environmental narrative happening. I think that deserves some attention as well. Yeah, I'm looking at screenshots here, and from what I've just been able to click on a few of the images, apparently this is a sequel to Dot. Ah, okay. Or at least that's what this one review says. But yeah, it's got this very flat, cartoonish art style, and it seems like it has like a, a single progression path a la Super Mario World. But instead yep. of, like, branching out, it's just a single path, and it goes through all of these different variety of environments. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I assume each one of those is a challenge, and it's 
based on this grid thing where there's a lot of dots where you're supposed to connect them, I guess? Yeah, you connect dots. If dots are the same color, you can connect them, then they go away. If you connect four dots in a square, then it makes all the dots of that color go away. And then they have, like, different varieties of dots that have different, like, special abilities. But basically everything is just that mechanic multiplied over in different layouts and stuff to make it a slightly different challenge each time. And it's on your phone, so this is actually... I can actually pick this up. Yeah. I mean, that's a big part of why kind of everyone has been... Seemingly everyone on my Facebook has, has played it at least once, because it is so accessible. Hmm. Do you have any other thoughts on the game? Um, yeah. I guess part of what it does with this kind of social mechanic of showing you who else is playing, it shows you where they've got to. So kind of when you're looking at that map of the um, of the progression between through all these different worlds, you can see the profile picture of all your friends in the location where they were last playing. So you can see how far people have got. And the, the number of like worlds and levels is ridiculously high. So And I do know people who've got to, like, level, like, thousand and something or whatever, like, really far along in the game, which would have taken a really considerable amount of time and effort. But, uh, yeah, so it shows you what people have been doing and where they've been. And so they'll have these part of the game, like, a sort of side bit of the game, is that they'll have, like, weekly or weekend-long challenges that have their own little mini-map. And, uh, and so I've been getting really into these weekend challenges. And it's partly because I'm not, I'm not feeling very well at the moment. Like, I had a road accident recently and sort of yeah, got a lot of fatigue. And so it's been really nice to have something soothing. And so it's been really weird, kind of, because it's connected to Facebook and I hear a lot about how people are doing through their Facebook statuses as well. You sort of end up connecting bits of information going, oh, this person's, like, also been playing this ridiculous game for hours and hours and hours at a time lately. And I think they're probably not doing very well because of the thing that they said. And it sort of becomes this, like, extra bit of social context of this sort of, like, weird personal psychological hell that's been made material and, like, really bright and cuddly. And you can see who else is there and who else is kind of stuck in a bit of a rut at the moment. Like, it's a weird social object to have access to. Mm. Well, I guess we'll just finish up when uh talk about the game that I brought to bear. And luckily, it, or rather coincidentally, it came out on the PS4 this month. I played it last year when it was PC only. And it's an isometric RPG called Masquerada Songs and Shadows. And it presents itself as sort of this political intrigue thriller where you have to figure out why this man was murdered and what he was investigating for the, the city guard. But as it goes on, it feels more like this traditional fantasy romp with maybe a little harder edge given the, po the politics and intrigue. It's not Game of Thrones level. But it's got this wonderful theming of like Renaissance Venice where the magical powers everyone wields comes from wearing these sort sort of festival masks that imbue the player, the people with powers, except there's a limited supply of them, so, it be, so there's also the upper class and the guilds have access to them, but the regular people don't, and so that society is stratified. And then, of course, you got the politicking between the various guilds and what they stand for and what their goals are regarding the city. And then, of course, there's the mysterious past of how these masks came about, what their origin is, and all the surprising reveals behind that. And it's got a lot of good things going for it, That, but I felt it got missed last year, mainly because 
it was at the beginning of like the deluge of the fall release season, and then it just got overshadowed by other RPGs at the same time, and this is just an independent outfit. Right. But at the same time, it, it follows that Bioware formula where you go on a mission, you come back to home base, you talk to all your party members and move your relationship forward, then you go out on another mission rinse and repeat for the entire game. But at the same time, I really like this cast of characters. Of like, Because you get a, a cross-section of like all the guilds, as well as some of the people from the, from the underclasses. Because as an investigator, you can go through pretty much all levels of society while having to try and straddle that political line. And yeah, there's a lot of tactical RPG fighting with real-time with pause. And then as the storyline goes on, you also get this revolutionary aspect because there are rebels trying to overthrow the established order. In fact, the prologue starts with you playing as the original rebel uprising that happened several years prior to the main game storyline, and the leader of that happens to be the main character's brother, so there's this whole drama in that regard. But then the remnants of that rebellion are trying to spark revolution once again, and I don't know how I feel about what it has to say about political revolutions, but I feel... That, especially given what's been going on recently in the United States and Britain, that just examining that and how revolution comes about to bring or how it should work to bring about a better world and the like fine lines that have to be that have to be worked on so you don't just end up replicating the very systems you try to get rid of. And it also kind of states that maybe the systems in place can be put to use to bring about their own, like, rebirth into better things. It's, it's, maybe it feels a bit simplistic, but it's also saying a lot of complex things that I think are worth examining, even if they ultimately don't work. But I don't know. It's an interesting context to kind of be looking at that, partly because of the time that we're in, in terms of U.S. and British politics, but also the studio who made this are based in... Malaysia, which has a more recent memory of regime change and massive political upheaval. So it'd be really interesting to kind of hear more from from people who can tap into that context about like whether this story reflects any of that, but also if it doesn't, is that actually in itself like an idealistic escape from the much more complex like like the ambiguities of like the world around you, right? Yeah. It engages with nuance, even if the character ultimately gets stuck being railroaded down a certain path due to the forces around him. It, the game itself recognizes the nuances and complexities of trying to do things within this very difficult situation. And even if you don't want to go in that direction, I feel like there is some criticisms to be had with uh, how it does the combat system, how very streamlined the story is. Like, there are no side quests, there are no branching paths, it's pretty much feels like a JRPG straight shot. You go to the place you're told to, you engage with what's there, you fight through the monsters, you get to the boss, then you reverse, and then you go through the next almost a disguised straight line while picking up story beats. And that's not going to work for everyone, but I feel like this, the way it did it, the structure works for this game, and all the other little details it was trying to accomplish. So I feel like you can get some mileage out of discussing that as well. Great. The character well, art is beautiful as well. Yeah, it's got that sort of... I don't I, I don't want to... I don't know. It's, it's like every word I can think about it, because it's not flat. It's not cell-shaded, but it's very clean lines and colors. 
Yeah, it doesn't have the painterly thing of the, the Bioware games that it's drawing influence from in a gameplay. The Bioware games that it draws influence from in terms of its gameplay. And it's more... Sort of, like, makes me think of, like, the, like, Golden Age Disney movies, like uh, Sword in the Stone. That's that's a good reference point for the art. Well, anyway, this has been your monthly mini-sode from myself and Zoya Street. The games discussed on this episode were Two Dots and Masquerada Songs and Shadows. Thank you for coming on, Zoya. Thank you for having me. And thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate and review us on iTunes. How rare they may be, I love everything that is written about us. And if you enjoy all the work we do at Critical Distance, please consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Once again, thank you. Thank you.